Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, February 9th, 2024. And if it's a Friday, it must be That Was The Week with my old friend Keith Tier. He's relying on horrible AI art, and I can't convince him not to. So if you're just listening to this, you are spared Keith's dreadful AI art. But I, uh, but I did And if you're watching, it's doubly offensive. Not only is this horrible AI art, although he'll probably claim it isn't, but we also have two pic a, a picture of two men who aren't probably particularly popular on our network, uh, Vladimir Putin and Tucker Carlson. And this is supposed to be a show on technology, Key. So how did two old white guys get prime position on that was the week this week? Well, they got there, A, because I, I wanted to put some real photos on so you wouldn't be able to accuse me of only using AI. Uh, yeah, but this is still, there's still some AI on this. I can sniff it. The whole background is AI. The whole background, and it's, it's, of a, it's, it's of a, a cemetery, which might media. be a sort of a metaphor for the world or for the creative community. whole lot of people at a funeral around something called old media. That's right. So that's why they're on, because for a technical person, um, and a person who's been following the internet for a long time, as you have, it is it is striking um, this week. New York Times yesterday reported that they're up to a billion dollars a year in revenues, largely driven by subscriptions. And a billion dollars is such a tiny number compared to Google and Facebook and Twitter even. Uh, and what happened yesterday uh, is that... Uh, they changed their name, Keith, from Twitter. It's no longer called that. Did you I know that one? I think we can flip flop between Twitter and X, and everyone everyone's going to know what we're talking about. So it's it's fine. Old people will find it hard to change names, as you know. Anyways, you're not old, though, are you? Uh, open question. The viewers can decide. Um, but you know what Tucker Carlson did yesterday has implications way beyond the interview he did with Putin. Uh, the interview with Putin was actually quite boring I, I i listened to it it lasts two hours and putin sadly has been trained in stalinism so he doesn't know how to answer a question in less than 30 minutes so it, it was super it was super boring who does he remind you of keith not me <laughs> anyways um so it was it was really boring except for the fact that it was on the the Tucker Carlson network, which is the name of Tucker Carlson's website. And it was on X and it was, it wasn't anywhere else. They showed snippets of it on CNN. Um, MSNBC ignored it, um, hoping it would go away. But the, the fact is um, because of it, uh, the, the X app became the number one US app the, for the last several days, handily beating every other app. Um, Tucker Carlson got a whole bunch of new subscribers to the Carlson network. And this, this idea that you no longer, the, the mainstream media, uh, TV, print, and so on, uh, hasn't really evolved where it could have owned this experience on, on the internet. And, and so Tucker Carlson, who was, uh, you know, was he fired or did he leave Fox? I forget. 
I mean, he was, uh, so to speak, pushed out. He was pushed out, um, and it looked like he was going to fade into irrelevance. Has turned it into a huge win. He's clearly an excellent marketer. He knows how to use. What's his business model then? Subscribers, pure subscribers. So, and actually, you ran this. I, I forwarded you um, a piece by. Um, Ivan Saul, Stacy Newton on um, the dying web, and and I think this was your attempt to push back, suggest uh, his uh, his piece, uh, Casey Newton's piece. He's always a good writer. Scenes from a dying web, which you also include. So for you, this is evidence that the web is not dying; it's been, so to speak, reborn. Is that right? Well, you have to reinterpret the word web to more broadly mean the internet. Because uh, web, for me, very specifically, it's uh, an HTML page. But if you if if you accept that the internet has evolved way beyond HTML pages ever since the iPhone, really, uh, and we're now in this world of applications that sit on on the internet, then far from dying, it's thriving. It's absolutely thriving. And 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 you can argue that uh, the the enemy, if you like, that Casey Newton points out, which is AI. And he makes the point that AI using a, a new... Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that. You're, but here's... Now, I don't disagree with some of the things you're saying, but you, you, you're, the headline for that was the week, the newsletter, which is an excellent one this week, is New New Media. I'm just not sure what's new about this New New Media. You have two very powerful white men you have high quality video. I take your point that in the old days, this would have been broadcast on MSNBC or Fox or the BBC. And now Carlson can put it on his own network. But it's still a winner take all economy. There's only a tiny handful of journalists who can do this. There's only a tiny handful of journalists who Putin would agree to sit down with. There's only a tiny handful of authoritarian leaders that Carlson would be willing to interview. So why is this new, new media? It's like well, the old media, just in a different bottle. Well, it, it, yeah, my point isn't really about democratization. I agree with you that it's still um, audience, audience capture is an elitist trade. Um, only, yeah, I wouldn't use that word. I mean, it's a top-down trade. It's a top-down trade. And, and so... Tucker Carlson has grabbed audience from old media using new tools, uh, and, but it's still, you know, a top down. I agree with you on that. So I think the story isn't really about democratization. The story is about disruption. Well, what's even disruptive about it? I mean, he stuck his finger in the eye of Fox. Economically, it's disruptive to where advertisers used to have to go. Like I, I watched this morning a discussion with Verizon about advertising. Uh, on CNBC talking about the Super Bowl ads. And the Verizon CEO made the point that... The ex-Erickson um, uh, guy, right? Yeah. He made the point that, um, uh, which was shocking to hear, that TV advertising doesn't work anymore and they need to do more digital. In 2024, that well, that's should about, be... Yeah, they, these guys have been saying that for the last <laughs> quarter century. So basically, there's a, there's a huge shift in audience and money. That, that's truly disruptive to people who've got massive investments in old infrastructure like satellite networks, cable networks. But from networks. the audience point of view, the kind of person who signed up to Carlson, who 
got the X app out of the Apple store, they're the kind of person who historically might have subscribed to Fox or MSNBC or one of the other networks. For them, the seamlessness of what we're calling the internet means that for them, there's no distinction between television and the internet anymore. It's the same thing. And in, in many ways, it has become the same thing. Well, it, it, technically, you're right. Uh, the, it was announced this week, for example, that Disney and Fox and somebody else are going to do a combined live sports streaming uh, network. So that's evidence of what you just said. But what's different is they they now have to compete with people they used to employ. And, and, and that's new. That is quite new. The Bill O'Reilly piece you sent me. Yeah, we, I sent you... Um... I'm not sure how many of our viewers and listeners are familiar with um, Tang or Isaac Saul's networks. Really good. Isaac's been on the show before. He had Bill O'Reilly on, and O'Reilly spoke quite intelligently, I think, and in a nonpartisan way about these structural shifts. Yeah, and and and, and they're, so they're they're super real and uh, strategically. If you are at Fox or Disney or ESPN. Um, live sports is probably the last bastion of old-fashioned audience. And now, now they're moving that to streaming. Well, it, it would only take an Apple or an Amazon to buy the rights to the biggest games for that to be undermined. What about the politics of all this? A lot of people will be offended with, you already told me, a lot of people will be angry with you putting Carlson and Putin on your cover. Um, it, it seems you mentioned the New York Times being up to a billion subscribers in the old days we all used to i certainly didn't i'm sure you did we all assumed that someone like thomas friedman would become a carlson and have his own network but none of the the high-priced new york times columnists have jumped ship we don't have a, a maureen dowd network or a thomas friedman network so why why aren't the left or progressives doing the same thing well, maybe they are. I, I think um, it's hard. I mean, you do it, Andrew, with Now, with now TV and Keenan. Um, it's super hard. It involves a lot of work. You have to become the owner of the entire end-to-end -end value chain and from you know content all the way through to delivery and then monetization. And some people just aren't, aren't, don't have the mindset to do that. Tucker Carlson clearly is very entrepreneurial as well as being a smart guy. And a good marketer so uh, you know i think it's down to the the people by the way the new york times has a, a billion dollars in revenue it's it's an average of about 40 dollars per subscriber um, i guess um our neutral friend akara swisher has kind of done that she left the new york times although she's somebody who seems to be able to walk the very fine line between new and old media barry he has a new book barry, out actually next week yeah, and Barry Weiss kind of did it. Yeah, but she's not exactly on the left, Weiss. Well, I wasn't thinking left and right. I'm just thinking personalities. But if you if you want someone on the left who does it, um, you know, the, uh, I don't know. It, the left Swisher is, is probably the best example. Though there's no Swisher network. You'd think there would be one. Uh, she does the thing with Prof Galloway. Well, that that's... I, I don't know Kara very well, but observation. I don't know if anyone knows her very well, Keith, even herself. I, but I do know her, and observing her from afar, I would say she's used to being to earning a salary, and it's super hard to move from a salary to being um, 
hundred percent responsible for all your. Yeah, I wonder if there's money. I mean, so where's Carlson getting his money? You'd assume that he has investment in this network. He's doing something that Trump wanted to do, and he sort of failed, right? Yeah, well, Trump, Trump's too ideological. Truth, truth media. Well, I don't know if Trump is. He's too egotistical. I don't think he has a an ounce of ideology. Yeah, but when he when he as a marketer, you know, he called his thing truth social. Uh, it, it's too. It, Tucker Carlson actually manages to balance between actually interesting media and his political views, uh, and 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 somehow his political views don't kill him in terms of audience. Um, uh, uh, I, I think this interview with Putin might kill him because it was so... Well, what about the politics of all this? I mean, I can't say I'm particularly offended, although one could be. I mean, where does Carlson stop? The obvious analogy is if he was around in 1938, he would have done the same thing with Hitler. Does he do one-on-ones with Xi and Netanyahu and Erdogan? Where does he stop with this stuff? And at what point should he stop? Well, if you if you were him, you wouldn't stop, would you? I mean, well, would you would you interview Pol Pot? Would you interview mass murderers? I, I I think the act of the interview isn't the point. It's what do you ask and say, and how do you do the interview? You can. Interview. How did he do with? I didn't watch it. I have to admit. Did he ask him any hard questions? He, he did. Uh, I mean, he was focused on Ukraine a lot, um, and. Um, you know, he, he that's why Putin ended up giving a thousand years of Russian history. And that was the headlines about Putin be, supposedly being open to some sort of peace deal, right? Well, P Putin, uh, and I think this might even be true, Putin on many occasions during the interview said that he uh, was genuinely interested in Russia joining NATO with, with Clinton, that he was genuinely interested in all kinds of um, normalization of relations that uh, US presidents, he named them one after the other, uh, uh, rebuffed. And the CIA eventually um, corresponded with him saying they weren't interested. So, it, 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 you know, he, he painted him a picture of Russia as a victim of U.S. intransigence, basically. Um, and that's probably not 100% untrue. Let's go back, Keith, to the Casey Newton piece. You poo-pooed it to some extent, saying that the web isn't dying. It's an interesting piece about, it's basically about AI suggesting that in the old days there was Google, he doesn't idealize Google, but at least they provided links. And in the AI age, everything's gonna be built around AI. So we're not even gonna have websites anymore. Leaving aside the, the, the Carlson news, is there any truth to this? Well, I, I actually think it's a good piece. Uh, the only real thing you can disagree with is the title. Um, if it said scenes from a dying Google, um, that would be kind of a bit more accurate. But well, he's not saying that because, of course, the other big piece of news is that Google is, uh, is launching its Gemini Ultra. Yeah. Its most powerful LLM, which some people say is as good, if not better, than, um, than OpenAI. So... I used it this morning, and it it still has a long way to go to be as good as OpenAI. I, I, I it, they're charging twenty dollars a month for it, and it's a two month free trial, which I signed up for. It only works in individual Google accounts, not in the business Google accounts. You have to be careful, Keith, what you say about Google, because otherwise I'm going to alert my wife, and and she will eliminate you. 
<laughs> she will. <laughs> I'm scared of her. But um, but but anyway, I mean, Google is making progress. That's clearly true. But, but Newton's point is, I think it's an important and a serious one that everything is going to be built around AI. I saw a piece this week. I should have put it up. There was a story in the New Yorker about a guy called Matthew Bretter. Some of our viewers and listeners might have watched it. The guy actually I know in London whose son tragically died in London. Um, and I saw some AI pieces that had come from it that was linked on the front on the front ten of Google. This is already happening. That AI platforms and and uh, Newton talks about perplexity um, and Arc. They're already putting together content in in ways that will undermine the very idea of a website. Um. Uh, I, I think he's right about that, but I think he's wrong to mourn it because I think it's going to end up being better. Um, so, so if you think about it, I, I, I installed the Arc browser this morning, and perplexity is built into it. And um, so, so when you look is it at a browser or a sort of a post browser, it it, it is a browser. Here, I, I don't know if you're going to let me share this, but here's what it looks like. This is yeah, me, hold on, I'll let you share. This is me doing a search for myself. Um, you have, probably have to put it on the screen because um, I can't. Okay. Um, well, I'm not sure how to do it. Hold on. But, uh, but basically, it replaces uh, me searching for my name. And what it brings back is, a, is, is actually an extremely good uh, agglom agglomeration of stuff about me that's very relevant, including single rank right at the top there of the bullet points. And and compare that to a search experience for me where you get all those blue links, a uh, hundred of them, and they're not particularly organized in any way or anything. Yeah, so this is all created by AI. So the real question is at what point, if, if, if Newton is right, and this all means a dying web or at least dying websites, what will the perplexities and arcs of the world, what will they build and, and, and the open AIs and the Geminis, what will they build their intelligence off if there are no longer any websites? How are no, they going to know anything about you? No, there will there will still be websites it, it, uh, and people will still read them. I mean, think about it. If uh, that was the week, would I... Uh, well, firstly, I'll tell you this. Almost nobody goes to the website anyway. Almost everybody gets that was the week in email. Um, right. The website is crawlable and learnable by AI or by Google. And I do want it to be incorporated in their knowledge bases um, so that uh, it, it can be surfaced. So I don't know that I think the, the thing that changes the most is user, user behavior. User behavior is going to be less and less browsing, which it already really is with mobile and more and more and more. Um, uh, asking for and getting uh, things that you want to know about. Uh, and yet you remain a, a cornucopian. Um, you have a piece today about by Anish Acharya about how AI will sh usher in an era of abundance. It's an argument that we hear time and time again, uh, the cult, if you like, of the algorithm. You, you, you're in the abundance camp. Ultimately, Keith, are you optimistic that, that AI will? Um, will trigger an age of abundance, even when it comes to creatives? 
Well, it, it'll trigger an edge of abundance. Uh, uh, the word abundance can be interpreted in many ways. I usually think of it as economics, um, wealth, if you will, uh, but it could also mean content. Um, that's an Andreessen Horowitz strategy piece about consumers and what the future of consumer software is. And it focuses on creativity, productivity, um, relationships, and wellness um, as, as, as the three things. So I think they're all, really they're talking to themselves, persuading the Andreessen investors. Don't they realize that wellness has become a an ironic term that it's a something to make most people throw up the word it's it's a word that will make you most unwell yeah i think it's an industry isn't it wellness it's getting consumers to pay a lot of money for uh, uh when they're not sick um is what it really is but no they're being thoughtful andreessen i mean they're, they're from a thought point of view that article asks all the right questions about what the future of software is. Somebody this week said, well, software is eating the world, but AI is eating software. That That's actually quite accurate. And Yeah, and, and speaking of thoughtful Andreessen, we always think of and, uh, Mark Andreessen and, and Horowitz, but there's more to Andreessen Horowitz than those two. There's also Chris Dixon. He has a new book out. And he's a man who still believes in Web3 and in the power of the blockchain and decentralization. Is there anything in this? Uh, do you think, I don't know if you've read Dixon's book, but he, he's been, he's had quite a lot of visibility over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I Should haven't... we be going back to Web3 if indeed Casey Newton's right and the web might be dying? Is is Web3 another another nail in the coffin or is it a way to stop the web dying well i think web firstly uh, the book is is a new york times bestseller uh, there was yeah no... but it's only and then one of the stories was it's only a bestseller because andreessen horowitz have been buying up huge quantities in the sort of reed hoffman style i don't know if it was them that bought it but there have been yeah it was guys, well the they're... piece i read suggested it was which makes the bestsellers also a bit of a fuss but that's another story yeah so Chris Dixon is has been at Andreessen a long time. He wasn't originally a Web three guy. He was a he was a software consumer software guy, mostly I think. Um, he worked with Connie Chan, who left a couple of weeks ago, um, and they're re trying to reimagine and reinvent what they think the next period looks like. And they've been struggling. I mean, they, they've got a few things going on. American Dynamism is one of their big overarching discussion points on narratives blockchain and web3 is another uh, and ai is is another and i think a, a little bit like fred wilson at union square ventures and his team everyone got blindsided by the acceleration of ai and the deceleration of web3 so this is, is an attempt to adjust which i think may still be premature i do think it's valid I mean, I can't imagine that the centralized cloud infrastructure that we have today doesn't start to get recovered. Yeah, I don't agree. I mean, we've been hearing this for ever since the internet started about democratization and decentralization. And all we get is Tucker Carlson and, and, and Putin dominating the news and dominating the internet, for better or worse. I just don't see any evidence that that's going to happen. And if anything, the dominance of these huge, you know, multi-trillion dollar companies 
the Googles, the Microsofts, the Amazons, and dominating the stock market. That's just the reality, for better or worse. Yeah, well, okay, let's focus there. I mean, I think Dixon is wrong to search for use cases because I think insofar as Web3 and blockchain are going to end up being important, it's going to be as infrastructure. Use cases are almost always centralized because the things you need to get done to build audience are essentially highly focused task-based things that require an effort of a team. And that's almost always centralized. Even in a decentralized infrastructure, there'll be centralized use cases of the infrastructure. So I think this centralized decentralized narrative is a false, a false narrative. I, th I think it's both, but I think the end user mainly is going to experience things delivered from teams that end up bringing together using infrastructure some kind of an experience whether it's for businesses or for consumers so i think his search for use cases is a is actually a bit of desperation but it's also an intellectual error well it's interesting that his book and all his speeches seem to be directed against big tech um and it's ironic that a, a partner at andreessen Ventures, Andreessen Horowitz is so anti-big tech. Same as Wilson and and um, and Albert Wenger at, at Union Square. So even even the v, well the VCs are dependent. I mean, it's in their interest to get beyond this highly centralized web. Otherwise, well, they're not yeah. going to be able to win anymore. Well, it's their version of the innovators' dilemma. Uh, you know, the the short version is you have to eat your children. Um, so you know, go back twenty years and what is today big tech were startups that they all loved and invested in. And now they have to do it again. So um, the grown-ups become the enemy. You have, to eat, you have to eat your children in order for the new ones to, to be required. Maybe that explains why some people's children are so fat, Keith. People are planning on eating them. <laughs> um, speaking of the creative community, for better or worse, not all of us, are Tucker Carlson or even Bill O'Reilly. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the promise of the internet is of a creative economy where everyone can rely on Patreon or Substack. But you have an interesting piece by Joan Westenberg, which again is, is realistic and saying most people, I mean, none of us can be Tucker Carlson, but most people can't even build a real living out of these platforms. Most people aren't even like Casey Newton, who seems to have done a good job as an independent journalist. So what does Westenberg say about this new ecosystem and why doesn't it work, at least according to her? Well, she, she's talking about the, the numbers, the math of an audience becoming a subscriber base. And that, that transition from an audience to a subscriber base is a willingness to pay. Right, so you got two. So she has. So let's say you got twenty thousand followers. Can you get to that one thousand paying supporters on Patreon or Substack that would guarantee you about fifty k of revenue a year? I, I don't think so. Um, I think it's super hard uh, uh, for most people. And but that isn't to do with the platforms. That's to do with whether you're sufficiently interesting for people to pay for what you do. Um, or even, or even whether you whether that's your primary purpose. Like for me, 
I just did a survey asking people what they would pay for on that was the week and about 35% said they'd pay for this video, but only about 2% bothered to vote. And, and so what that tells me is that 98% of that was the week subscribers are not interested in paying. And well, what are you going to say to all the people watching? Uh, what I would say is wake up and respond to Keith's. At least he's not charging you. So at least you can do is respond to his, his questions. Well, I, I think it's asking a lot of anyone to give you their attention. And I, I, you know, I have a very large open rate on the newsletter. It's about 60% in any given week opens and reads it. So, so I can't really complain about engagement. Um, but payments are a totally different thing. And thank goodness for me, I have no interest in this becoming an income. Uh, to me, this is a chance for me to uh, be relevant. And if I'm relevant, that involves training my brain to read and think and write. If I'm relevant, I'll, I'll make money in all kinds of ways. It seems like, Keith, the media industry is going exactly the same way as the tech industry. We've been talking about media and tech all day. Just as we have the, the top seven making up, I don't know, whatever it is, 30 or 40% of not just the US, but the global economy. We've got multi-trillion dollar companies dominating the age of AI the late age of the internet. So we have men like Tucker Carlson who can get away with selling their content online, have tens of thousands of subscribers and getting very rich. But that's it. Maybe Bill O'Reilly, probably Bill O'Reilly can't even do it. Thomas Friedman can't do it. Even Cara Swisher and Scott Galloway struggle. Yeah, so I think I think money is the wrong focus to understand the change, actually. There, there is money at the top. But the, the primary change is time right it, or attention attention it, it's you know how do you and i spend our day now what portion of it used to be in the new york times and the wall street journal versus or, or broadcast tv versus today and, and you know for all of us the answer is less and less of our time is given to those older models and more and more of our time is uh, you know anyone who reads that was the week isn't paying me but they're spending time reading it so does Westenberg have any advice for wannabe creatives? I mean, you're lucky enough that you don't need the revenue. I don't really need the revenue either. But many people do, especially younger people, journalists who everyone's being laid off at all these different publications that are shutting down or dramatic cuts, even the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. What should they be doing? Well, I think I think that's um, a difficult question to answer because many, in other words, you don't know the answer. Many, I mean, not you, but none of us know the answer. Yeah, many of the skills that they have are not going to be required. Um, copy editors, editors, um, you know, reporters, even because facts are going to be easily accessible. Um, so I think I think. I think it's super hard. I just think it's um, an adjustment in the number of people that are going to be employed in a given industry, which is another word for productivity. So what would you do if one of your boys came home and said, I want to be a journalist? I'd say you better be super interesting and be able to charge people. Otherwise, you're stuffed. That's depressing. It's not your fault, Keith, but it, it seems to be a very bleak world out there some people uh cory doctor has described the the internet may not be dying as enshittified and uh blue sky is your startup of the week 
um, which is now open for anyone to join. Their CEO, Jay Graber, said that she won't, and I'm quoting her here in because this is a, a family show, in shitify the network with ads. What is it about Blue Sky that has made them uh, your startup of the week? And do they offer any promise of a, 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 a new, brave new world for creatives, for journalists? Uh, I, I did go and subscribe this week, and they're the startup of the week because they opened up subscript, uh, free subscriptions uh, for anyone. It, you needed an invite before. So I did go and subscribe, and um, it's like a clone of Twitter, except it's on a distributed architecture. Uh, I think, at least for now, that's the promise of distributed architecture because I think they are the only host of that's where So it's Chris Dixon's dream of Web3 melded onto the old Twitter, basically. Yeah, and Jack Dorsey obviously is big. Right, in... it's Dorsey's vision. He's been writing about this and talking about it for years. Yeah, so um, so visually, it's just like Twitter. It's way less inter interesting than Twitter because nobody's on it, and the people that are on it, you've never heard of. So, so it... it's gonna. It's just another of these wannabe exes that will die, or it's probably already die. It should die because there's no purpose for it. So I mean, why have you made it your startup of the week? It's your dead. Well, dead, startup dead of the week doesn't mean doesn't mean I like it. It just means it's noteworthy. It's newsworthy because it's going to die. So I'm not going to go on it. And finally, uh, your X of the week, and no surprises or prizes for this one, Keith, uh, from the Tucker Carlson Network. And it's an announcement that Tucker is going to interview the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, come tonight at 6 p.m. Um, is this what drove traffic? Yeah, very much so. And is this why X became the most popular app on the App Store? According to Sarah Perez, and I think she's probably right, yeah. And that is why. In, in other words, X as a platform became a must-have for those people. So Keith, is this what you and I, old time internet guys, we've been around since the mid nineties doing startups. Is this what we wanted? A world where Tucker Carlson can interview Vladimir Putin without the approval or editorial guidance of a network. And this is what yeah, dominates our media world. Yeah, if I take myself back to the early days of TechCrunch when Web 2.0 was arising, we talked about the separation of content from the publications it was traditionally um, encased within. And uh, YouTube was one of the first examples of that in those days, 2005, uh, where, where you could um, publish to YouTube and YouTube could be embedded in any other place as well through it using an embed code. And that became the poster child for content uh, being free of uh, what you might think of as a prison cell or, or, or a hotel, depending on whether you like it or don't like it. And, and I think the vision was something close to what we're seeing today, which is anybody um, can try to become uh, a focal point and build an audience and where possible monetize that audience without needing a benefactor, the old, you know, the old publishing company infrastructure uh, ends up becoming irrelevant. 
and it still isn't so this is a very this is now you know 20 years later i would say it's a very incomplete revolution but i think what happened yesterday is a sign that it it's still happening and finally keith can we imagine i mean tucker carlson's brand and popularity unpopularity visibility was built on his career at fox so uh, he he built he built his brand the analog way are there going to be tucker carlson's in the future who are purely digital there already are some on youtube i think there's a lot of emerging personalities a lot of them tend to be on what is often called the right and that's because they feel as if traditional media is, is or tiktok and tiktok yeah but you know you look at people like Ben Shapiro's a name that comes to mind who's now very well known mainly because of social media uh, and and YouTube as well so i th i think there will be more